You know, they say if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. If you can't say something nice, so I won't say nothing at all. I ain't nothing nice. You hear me? Some people get on the podcast and don't have anything of significance to say, and they like, "Hey, look, let me be on the podcast," you know. But I know you didn't come from that that route. You weren't like, "Let me get on the podcast." It was more like, "Hey, I think you're an interesting conversation, so that's why I'm bringing you on the podcast today." And I say, "Whoa, welcome to the Best Friend Weekend Podcast." It's your man Aldo Nice, and this is one of my nothing nice to say interviews. I got the homie in here jordan how you pronounce your last name alms alms almes alms those are some good efforts but alms i mean almes you seem like you could be like foreign there there was a funny story in high school we were getting uh, introed for starting lineups uh, my senior year and my mom was in the stands about two thousand people at a big tournament and the pa announcer said almes and then was very surprised to see me jog in there Immediately realized you totally screwed up. She was cracking up. <laughs> yeah, they thought you were like a Puerto Rican dude. Uh, not not once they saw me. But yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, right right at the beginning. I know a lot of you guys are visual when it comes to these things. So you can go to jordanalms.com. Jordan, right. like Michael Jordan. Um, a l m e s dot com. You can check him out also on Twitter at jt. JTA Drums. JTA Drums. And you Instagram. Know, what's yeah. Instagram saying? Same thing. Yeah. JTA Drums. So you can um, check him out. Like while you, if you if you want to look while you're listening. Yeah. Multi screen. The whole thing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> modern, modern people you got out there. <laughs> if you're at work, you can have it up on multiple screens. I get how that works, man. Look, I would say um, you're not breaking any barriers. I would have loved to have been like, you know what? You're the first white voice that we've had on the podcast, but it's not a thing. Shout <laughs> I don't out. I do think we're underrepresented. Yeah, yeah. In America. Well, on this podcast, you guys are <laughs> are somewhat underrepresented. C&H um, is always the, the standard bearer when it comes to that. And he basically has this thing where he doesn't want or like when other white guys are hanging with our crew because he likes to be the only white guy. Oh, wow. I didn't, like, for me, if I ever felt like I was in a situation where I was the token black, I mean, I think there was a movie, like, I can't remember what the movie was, but it was one of these movies where a guy was the token black guy and another black guy came and they, like, looked at each other like, hey, man, I'm the token black guy. It might be one of these scary movies or something of of the sort, but... I mean, that's that's a that's a thing that Chase has said. I mean, CNH has said it many times. He's like, no other white guys can hang with the crew. So, I mean, consider yourself privileged to have this opportunity is what I'm saying. There you go. There you go. That's an interesting psychology. We'll have to get into that at some point. <laughs> well, I mean, he is actually... So, th- what made, made, made me bring it up before is that he's part of the Best Friend Weekend Fantasy Football League. You are as well. You that's did okay right. this season. You caught, okay. caught a couple of bricks, but you did... I think I only lost to you over and over again. I think I beat everybody else pretty handily. And that becomes a, um, you know, it becomes like it's it's like a badge of honor to lose to me. It's a game of skill. We can all agree on that. that <laughs> fantasy football is the GM skills are important. If you haven't been, yeah, the older you get, the more of your self worth is tied up into these things. I, I understand. <laughs> so I mean, we're gonna talk about a lot of things. You kind of. You you talked a little bit about your um just a little bit about your high school. You just said then that when you were at your high school basketball game, where'd you go to high school at, man? Uh, Hackley School, Terrytown, New York. It's about ten twelve miles north of the Bronx. Uh, all the schools um, in our uh, in 
our sports league were inside the city, uh, a couple in Manhattan, a couple in the Bronx, uh, one in, in Brooklyn. So spent a lot of, you know, uh, everybody who plays uh, high school sports knows little bus rides getting in and out of New York City traffic. Um, came down here to go to Rice. It was just way too cold for me. I'm, I'm soft. So uh, I've stayed here ever since. Um, great music scene down here. Great people. So um, just kind of too comfortable to leave. I mean, we got we're gonna get into the music, but I, I had a question about that. That just made me think about something. So you said ten, twelve mile, uh, miles north of the Bronx. Is that yeah, what you just, just right, said? Tappan Zee Bridge, if anybody's familiar. So the the next bridge up the Hudson River from the GW Bridge. Okay, so my thing is, is that kind of the equivalent of people who are like, I'm from Houston, but they're really from like Alvin or Spring yeah. or what? Spring or A Leaf, you know, suburbs of Houston. Yeah. I mean, I would assume I, I've been to New York. <laughs> I've been I've been to New York City. Um, a time or two in life, and I guess my my thing is, you know, land wise, it's always different when you kind of, when you live in Houston and you live in the South specifically, right? Like I went right. to Boston recently, right. and they were like, "Oh, it's well, that's in South Boston," and then it was like a six minute Uber ride, right? Like these things aren't it's relative, right? No, absolutely. The you know Atlanta and Houston are, are the two big southern cities I've spent the most time in, and it's just these concentric rings where. <laughs> you, you're, you're half an hour drive from everywhere, at least, just because of the way it's set up. Uh, you don't have bridges. You don't have tunnels. Um, you don't really have weather. You just kind of get in traffic and however long it takes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it- definitely, you know, it was pretty close to get to Yankee Stadium, for example, but a lot farther to get to Shea. You know, that kind of thing where this New York City is very much what side of it are you on. Um, so if anybody asks you, you're from New York City. No, no, no. So it depends on where they are, right? So if if I'm in New York, I'm from upstate. If I'm mm-hmm. in Houston, then I'm from New York City. Sure. Upstate, you're tw- ten miles north that's, of the city. Uh, like you better believe it. You know, if you're in New York City, then you know if you're down uh, downtown, then Times Square is upstate. And if you're in that, you know, <laughs> if you're in Times Square, then Harlem is upstate. Uh, if you're in Harlem, then the Bronx is upstate. New Yorkers are. Uh, <laughs> are pretty harsh with the math on that. Um, so I'm definitely upstate if you're a New York City person. You said you were a little closer to Yankee Stadium than the Shea. So mm-hmm. quick questions, quick fire: Yankees or Mets? No, oh, Yankees. Knicks or you Nets? You shouldn't have to ask anybody that question. That's Knicks or Nets? Knicks. So in, in New York, it's Yankees, <laughs> Knicks, Giants, Rangers. You, you you take them as a as a group. So how do you? Oh, it's a it's a package deal. Oh, it's a pack. Oh, hundred percent. Okay, so yeah. there's no. I, I fool with the Islanders and the Nets and the Mets and the you no, know no, and the Giants. No, no, no. you have or your, whatever it is. Your varsity and your JV. Remember from high school. It's the the same Mets, kind of... the Nets, the Jets. I never. I guess I never realized that all rhymes. Is that all of the part yeah, of their package? It's just the JV. Yeah, they don't spend as much time on the JV. You know? on, on the names of the teams either, right? They just we're just gonna go ahead and make just them make all it, rhyme. Make it simple. Get okay. it done. How does the how do the Bills play in this? Is that a thing at all? The bills are about nine hours, eight hours of a drive. I'd have to look it up, but that's in, I mean, still in Buffalo. Is nine yeah, hours, eight hours? Eight, so eight I hours. would think that's upstate New York. Maybe a little close, maybe like six or seven. But yeah, it's 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 a good, healthy drive. Especially if you were on Long Island, for example, and had to go through New York City. I mean, the bills are in a different state, as far as you're concerned. But okay, so is it north? Yeah. yeah so north I would think that west. that's upstate. Oh yeah. Buffalo, not ten upstate. miles of the street. You're ridiculous. If, if if you live in New York City, you think both of us are upstate. It's it's a it's a harsh world, man. Okay, so okay, you said not you as were nice as it is down here. I'm so you played ball in high school. I uh, played basketball and uh, baseball. Okay, um, yeah, but a long time ago. Were you in the band at all? Yeah. So in the north, we think football is weird. Um, so it's 
it's a lot easier to play music because that doesn't conflict with marching band and football and all those kind of things. Um, so I was in all the bands, uh, made all state uh, a couple times, um, but that never conflicted with um, with baseball or basketball. I was lucky. Okay, I too was a um, I was hear an, about a, this. an accomplished band um, member. I'll show you some band photos in a while. I'll pull out my um, I'm looking my my, to my, that. my my band um, actual stuff. So yeah, man, um, I played I played um, I started playing drums in seventh grade. And I had no chops. No, I was like, I could not. No, my chops were like nothing. Like I wasn't good. Um, So my older sister was in the band at like, she was, I think maybe the 10th grade at the time. And she was playing um, sideline percussion. So she was playing xylophones. So I was like, you know what? Let me try that instead. And I was good Mm -hmm. at, I was good at memorizing a lot of music. Like I would, I would be able to look at it. Read it one time and then memorize a lot. Oh, there you go. So I'd be able to be able to regurgitate. So I was, yeah, I was all, you know, I was definitely district honor band. I don't think, I, I don't know if, oh, I was all state with timpani one year when I started playing oh, timpani in high school. That's a that's a real instrument right there. That was like timpani maybe my, my sophomore years, sophomore yeah. year I think. And then, but I didn't make it junior and senior year because I didn't actually put the effort into it anymore. But yeah, so I was in the marching band, but I never marched. I was on the sideline. Yeah, they yeah. had a cart. They used to roll me my timpani cart out. And I'd be on the sideline playing Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> that's the way to do it, man. <laughs> I always wish I had better chops, though. I think that that's what held me back, man. I, I it's just I think it's something that people have, or if they don't. I mean, I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think hand speed is something that's a lot like you know being fast in general. You have quick quick twitch, or you just have. Uh, I think there's a lot of hand talent, um, but you can you can work at it. There's a lot of technique and things like that that you can overcome. It, Drum set is such a, a big instrument, it, so much of its coordination that if you really wanted to, to shed and, and work through it, you could get there, um, even if you weren't super talented right off the bat, I think. So as an educator, I feel like in retrospect that that wasn't necessarily my shortcoming. I think that's the, the shortcoming of the, the, our band director. Like, like if you're a band director whom ours was a drummer, like... If they can't teach effective strategies to make you better at things, or even not necessarily things that, um, you know what I mean? Not like they're sitting there giving you one-on-one lessons, but just sure. say, hey, look, this is what you need to go work on. Go hack in the corner. Take this. Like I had like a, you know, a little pad, a drum pad, and they would like, go hack. And they would be like, stop hacking drummers because y'all in the back just making noise or whatever the case is. But I never had specific like, hey, go do this type of thing. And I guess maybe if I had the internet too as a kid, I might have been able to be better with it too. Yeah. There's a couple of things. I know you're an educator. I've, I've spent a lot of time um, teaching drum lessons and music lessons just more generally, uh, working with younger bands and, and things like that. Um, music's strange because it's not, it's, not it's not like basketball where, okay, here are the rules and the team with the most points and it's cold, hard math. Music's a lot more broad than that where one person can really succeed in music by playing one style and then somebody else could really succeed playing a different style. It's not like there's one cookie cutter way to do everything. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I was lucky with because football didn't run marching band, run everything else. Yeah. Um, if we wanted to push towards covering this kind of music or this kind of music, they did allow us a little bit more leverage, uh, a little more leeway. Um, so for example, not every kind of drumming is chopsy, right? Yeah. Like you don't have to play like a blur to play a lot of different really cool you could be in James Brown's band and never yeah. play anything that fast, but mm-hmm. you're just like Steve Jordan pocket for uh for days. 
Um, or you could be the opposite, you know. So I think too many kids in music get told that they're not cookie cutter fitting into yeah. what the educator says they need to. Um, it's not quite like math class where, dude, you have to learn this. This is important. Like, you, <laughs> if you can't add and you can't, you know, figure out basic algebraic ideas, you're just not going to get there. It's yeah. not, you're not going to be a quant person. Whereas music's a little bit more, hey, you could, you could be inspired by this part of it. Like, let's invest in there and have educators that encourage that rather than, um, force you down a different direction. I mean, a, a movie that stands out to me, just kind of thinking about growing up, was Drumline. It was a movie we watched a lot. I mean, I might have been in high school. Might have been in college when Drumline came out. I don't remember. But I feel like I'm don't, the opposite. Don't accidentally date yourself. Man. Yeah. But I think I'm the opposite of the star of Drumline, right? He had all of the chops and he couldn't right. read. Like, I could right. definitely read the music. I could sight read. Like, I was pretty good at that. But I didn't have the chops. So, I just think that in the culture that I grew up in, mm-hmm. the marching band, I mean, we were um, core style marching band. Like, yeah. I got a lot of the guys who were in band with me in high school, that's like March right. Blue Nights and Blue Devils in the summer when they were in high school. So like we had we had we had guys who was really getting it. Um but it was all about that that bravado that hey mm-hmm. if we that sticking like you gotta be able to if you're not being able to stick, if you don't have the chops, then it's it's laughable. So I found my niche because I was like, you know what? I'm gonna play Tiffany and I'm just gonna say my my chops got better. I was able to play intricate things really really quick things on on a timpani but it was all about pitch like i was really good at just being able to hum back at the drum and have it hum back at me at the right pitch you could uh you change change pitches Mm mid-song and all that stuff there you go absolutely um here's (laughs) a little pitch pipe Mm. here's a question for you that'll lose all your audience real quick uh the traditional grip i assume right yeah there we go so yeah switching to timpani and then match grip well i went to match grip when i was on a timpani no no as a matter of fact i'm lying i played timpani with french grip Okay, yeah, thumbs up. Yep, there you go. Thumbs up. Wow, we've lost everybody. Yeah. <laughs> go go check out YouTube for an explanation of the difference between matched and French grip. Um, yeah, because you're going to always think traditional grip. Yeah, I mean, and we're talking band, band stuff. And look, I, we kind of got a little bit pushed off. I wanted to say something else, but let's hop into the music and we'll come back to the math because uh, Jordan and I kind of have some of these three things in common, right? We hoop. We, that's how we know each other from playing ball together. Um, obviously, we both played drums. He plays drums still to this day, as a, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. And we both went to school and did math, right? You were you sure. were at Rice. You said you came down here for Rice. Were you a math major? Uh, computational math, so within the engineering school, but as little science as possible. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, it was like math was my minor. I was computer engineering, so it was kind of, you know, <laughs> right. that same thing. So what made you, like, make that decision to change, like, to not go the route of, like, being an actuary, being someone who's doing <laughs> crunching some numbers, doing something on that route and sticking with music. Sure. Uh, I think this is a challenge that um, a lot of kids have where you study something in school and you gravitate, especially in college, right, where you're picking a major. You say, what do I want to major in? Well, which which professors do I like? What classes do I like? What kind of problem sets do I like? Um, what's fun to take home and, and shed on? And wow, how do I figure this out? And then you figure out the right answer. Wow, that was cool. Yeah. You know? um, and so you... you you gravitate to those those things. You get a degree. You, you walk across the stage. Everybody's real happy for you. And then you find out that the job that that leads to is just backwards <laughs> from what you actually want to do with your life, yeah. right? Um, and that's not exactly what happened to me. Both of my parents were math majors. Um, my my mother ended up being a statistics. Uh, she got a master's. She was very close to finishing PhD and just decided she didn't want to do it. And my dad was a computer um, engineer. So they both came from a quant uh, math background, and so I knew the different kinds of careers you could have, and I, I, um, it wasn't like I was lied to, but I, <laughs> I realized very quickly that 
I just hate sitting in an office, you know, doing something boring. Yeah. I, I want to work with people. I want problems to be interesting and alive and, and cool and relevant. Um, and sitting around doing long division, no matter how well they pay or no matter, um, you know, how prestigious it is, it's just not something that was going to uh, be all that interesting to me. Uh, so I did want to go to a place like Rice and I loved my time there. And I loved the classes and it was great and I loved my major. Um, and then I started working at a place in the med center doing research and I, I, the the little gigs I was doing on the side were so much more fun. Like that's what I, you were looking forward to doing. It, it just, mm-hmm. it, it chose me. I, 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 even if I'd been stubborn and stubborn and tried to hold on to it, it would have, I would have eventually gravitated towards music that it wasn't going to be any other way. Um, I would, I would like, once again, I would say that I would, I would, stories are very similar and that I graduated and I was like, Hey, I want to rap. And I'm like, I want to do music. And that's, I mean, I was doing it all the way through college, but, you know, I got a record deal right after school. And it was like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I moved to Houston to do. Um, and, I mean, it was it, it was working for a while. And then I realized that, you know, the real world hits you sometimes. Like, especially when it's like, okay, like, I, I got a deal, but what are they really paying? And what are we really doing here? And I have a degree that can be lucrative. Why am I not using that? So, have you never hit that, in, that impasse? I've come close a couple of times. I... Um... I got a re-entered the work market, I guess, in 2012, whatever it was. Um, did some work in a natural gas trading shop. Um, same kind of idea of just, man, it's really hard to make make money in music, and you, you know, I could just, you know, come over here and cheat and, and take my degree and, <laughs> right. and make money the way right. everybody else is doing. Um, but then I, it was actually I got lucky. Um, uh, during the four or five years, excuse me, that I was there, I ended up um, getting lined up with a lot better um, sort of money making options within music, uh, and things accelerated for me that way. And then in 2016, they uh, wanted to move our office to Denver, mm-hmm. and so I was like, "Hey, here's a raise, and we'll pay for your move, and it's a little bit of a promotion." And how excited are you? I was like, "Yeah, what's the severance package?" Yeah, yeah, you know? And just walked, <laughs> and they were so shocked. But you know, what are you gonna do? Um, uh, and now I'm, I'm in a much more comfortable place within music. Yeah, the, it's a tough business. Um, you really got to grind and then get lucky and then grind some more and get mm-hmm. lucky and then, and be your own advocate. You can't, you can't just be good. You also have to network, uh, and you have to really, um, do all those little things that you don't want to do. The things that didn't get you into music in the first place, um, Talk to venues, talk to promoters, talk yeah. to all that kind of stuff. But it's it's worth it because you get to, you know, when I have to, hey, I got to work for three hours, it's playing music. Yeah. So. I mean, um, we got a homeboy who we went to college with who we look at as kind of like one of our gold standard examples. His name is Louis Fouché. And a lot of people talk about him as like the, the like one of the smartest guys that, um, like he was like in high school taking classes with us in college and he was just right. super, super smart. But right now, I think, I, I don't want to lie, but I think it's saxophone he plays. But um, he plays um, on the, the Stephen Colbert show now. Oh, and, nice. like, you know, he left, like, he had graduated from MIT and everything else. And he was like, nah, I want, I want to play music. And I know a lot of people who do. It's just it's just such a step out on faith that I think is awesome when it works, when you're able to do that kind of thing. Um, and, and, you know, we can see that all of the time. I see We can see him on TV, and it's pretty cool. Um, but, you know, one of the reasons that I wanted to get you on here, just kind of, you know, besides the fact that I think this would be an interesting conversation, is the fact that... You text me from time to time. You're like, hey, look, look, this is where we're playing um, tonight. People need it. I mean, people want to find different things to do in and throughout the city. 
They want to know what's happening. I want to know about the Grooves Adhesive, the Quartet, the Eric Demmer and the Switch, the Kelly Doyle Trio, the Houston Jazz Orchestra, Now We Fly, the Royal Dukes Band. Let me know. Why are you in so many different units? How does that work? Uh, you you got to be. Um, you know, you got to work every day. Uh, so many of those groups are different, too. Uh, as you know, playing drums lets you play every kind of music um, and actually play it well as opposed to... It, it's hard to, you know... Uh, there's some instruments that don't lend themselves to being really broad. Yeah. Um, I'm a bass guitar. I mean, you're not going to be great in marching exactly, band. Exactly. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Your, your chord chops are not good. Yeah. A lot of those guys, surprisingly, if you go up to random bass players on gigs, you'd be surprised how many of them played tuba or trombone mm-hmm. in, in marching yeah. band. It's, it's especially in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, all those, all those bands are doing different things um, and just trying to work, um, playing with Eric tonight. Um, got a rare night off tomorrow and then playing with, uh, the Dukes band doing a wedding on, on Saturday and then playing at a church, uh, on Sunday morning. And, you know, it's all that like it, a regular church service. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so you do stuff like, 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 um, like my homeboys growing up, you like at greater, um, the church without walls playing church. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> you do black churches. I, I have in the past. I'm, I'm playing at a, a church now doing, uh, contemporary yeah, Christian rock. Black it's, church. Yeah, sure. Okay. I, I have, um, <laughs> I played in, in New York. I don't know how they're they're probably a lot different than than here. Show your love for Jordan. Oh, that's that's what they do. No, no, <laughs> they don't know my name. Uh, <laughs> On the ones and twos for the Lord. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, you just try to stay busy. Um, you're basically you're self employed, so you mm-hmm. wake up with nothing to do, right? And you have to create something to do. Um, and it's tough to get people. So if, if they're a huge fan of one of those bands, maybe they come out once every other month. Mm-hmm. So you can't play every night. You know, it, it's hard to I get. I got you. Even you think about the big touring bands um, that sell out Cynthia Mitchell or something like that. I mean, they come to Houston every other year, maybe every three years, every four years. And that's when they're selling out. If they were playing down the street every Friday night, it would be a lot harder to get people out. It's just, it's tough. The, the music market is saturated. So you got to... Play in, and I think it's a common story. Most musicians are in five, six, seven uh, groups like that, and, and really trying to uh, get a lot of bites at the apple. So yeah, so when someone asks you, um, so Jordan, who do you like? What band do you play with? Are you going to name all of them, or what's what's the one you identify with or been with the longest? Yeah, usually. Let's let's say which one do you identify with more than which one have you been the longest? Which one do people identify you more much more of as a member? Well, let's the. The corporate events, the the weddings, the stuff that the Royal Dukes Band does probably pays the bills more than anything. That's okay. an important place to start. Okay. Uh, I am living in the real world, sadly. Uh, <laughs> rent and all those other things. Um, uh, and then uh, Groove Adhesive is probably the one that is the most esoteric but kind of cool musically um, that we're doing right now. It's instrumental fusion jazz. Um is it cover stuff or is it no, original? All, all original. So with that group, with Groove, groove yeah. Adhesive. Yeah. The Royal Deuce Band, that's all covers because yeah, it's wedding doing, stuff. Yeah, just top 40. Um, we're pandering to whatever crowd we've got, got you, as got much you, got as you. possible. But your creative outlet is the work you're doing with Groove Adhesive. Right. And then um, Now We Fly is a is a band that um, we haven't done much with. With uh, Lead singer moved to Philly a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, so we, we stopped being active. He's actually back in town now. We'll probably do something at some point, but... Um, that's kind of on hold. That's that's some great stuff, though. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to check it out. That's mm-hmm. um, some really cool, uh, some jazz and, and um, cool instrumental, chordal, harmonic um, 
sophistication, but a lot of like some neo soul stuff in there too. Some some funky stuff. It, it's it's a killer band. What track you want us to play right now so the um, audience can hear oh exactly gosh. kind of what's what's um, if, what's your go to? Uh, that's tough. Um, wow, in the spring is is good. So that, um, I wish you'd call us the. The track title. Uh, okay. You want to play it? Yeah, I mean, you no, can, no. We're gonna, I'm going to splice it go in here. This is not going to edit. It's going to play like right Look at you. now. Most of all That was what was that one called? Uh, uh, you don't even know yeah, the name of it. No, now we fly. No, that's the name of the group. Um, I wish you'd call. Okay, I wish you'd call. Right. So, like, what are the venues that you're um, usually doing when you're able to get out with like your, you know, with the band outside of the wedding venues and things of that nature, and the churches? Like, where's usually good places in Houston to yeah. hear some good music? The best place actually just closed. That would be Cezanne's. That's a bummer. Um, mm-hmm. Any of y'all who. Um, been in the jazz circuit at all, know about Saison's. Um Axel Rad's got some good music we're there mm-hmm. uh here and there. Um Cafeza is a cool spot. Um they have a, a great Latin jazz jam on, on Mondays. Um we'll play there from time to time. They've got live music most of the week. Um and then there, I mean Houston is so spread out. That's that's one of the problems that we have is the there isn't that central, oh here are the five places. You know it, um, in Austin or in New York or in a lot I of places. I feel like Austin would be more of a scene for it. It's it's much more centralized, right? So um, it's not even so much how good are the players or how good is the music, but it's how centralized the venues and the where do people go to yeah, see yeah, yeah. it, right? Uh, and that makes a big difference. So um, something that we're trying to change in Houston, but it's a struggle uh, for sure. And okay, so if you go to jordanobs.com, you'll be able to see all of the different things that you have upcoming in um and be able to come out and check him out. So that's always a good thing. Usually, um, usually a steep cover or what? We just getting in there. We just walking in. How do these things work? Almost everything is free. I, I, every once in a while, we'll play at some place like the Big Easy, and it'll be a five dollar cover. Yeah, yeah. But that, I mean, usually just dead free. Usually, just come and check out some jazz. So if you're not really into the jazz music yet, I think it's a, it's a great time to do it. It's laid back, mellow, 
have you um have you a drink, listen to some cool tunes. I think that that's an um uh, awesome thing to do. So um I always call you um uh, Chris Paul when we're playing basketball together. <laughs> that's like my that's my go to because you I like to dribble, 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 dribble until whomever is open. Kind of like Rondo in that way too, until you can get your assist. Um, but now I think based upon all of this stuff you're doing in music, we're going to start calling you Kevin Durant because you're a mercenary drummer for hire who has no home. And all you want to do is anybody who's giving you the the ticket, you're going over there and playing drums for him. It's very Durant-esque. Oh, man, we saying. can get into a psychoanalyzing Durant conversation <laughs> if you want. I don't, I don't know if I'm that sensitive. He's a, I mean, he's a net though. So, you know, not that good. you know, there's that. Yeah. Well, I mean, wake me up when he plays his first game, but... But that's not his fault. <laughs> James Dolan, that's your guy. Oh, that's, that's what you guys are doing. That's what y'all NYC people, if man. Any, if anybody wants to fall down laughing, go check out James Dolan's music. It's it's easy to find on uh, on YouTube and uh, search for it. It's it's terrible. So I mean, you are from New York City. So I mean, I mean, or like upstate, yes. upstate, sure, yeah, yeah, whatever you want to call it, New York, right? You're a New Yorker, <laughs> yeah. Um, so York. you know, you James Dolan, you have to, you have to. Those people represent you. Also, people like. Rudy Giuliani represents you. Also, careful, careful. Also, yeah, yeah. Michael Bloomberg represents you, richest man in New York, right? Yeah. Um, Trump's from New York. Well, we were getting there. I was gonna, I was gonna walk it up there, but you, you got oh, there. Oh, so, man. New, uh, you're a New Yorker, sure. And um, Donald Trump is 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 your guy. <laughs> uh, that's like saying know. that's like saying David Duke is my guy from Louisiana or I, something. I, I, yeah, careful. Yeah. Okay, but I mean, what do you think about? The current impeachment here thing that is taking place and the fact that he got impeached by the House um, this week. What do you think about that? Oh, gosh. General I, thoughts. My my biggest thought, and this kind of ties back into both of our backgrounds, is, man, we have a nation of people who failed high school government class. <laughs> I, you can't even talk about what the process is supposed to be constitutionally because you get lost in the weeds of nonsense too fast to even have a real conversation. <laughs> I, I, I'm so past. Uh, every time I try to have a real um, actual, hey, we're both American citizens operating on the same constitution, so let's talk for a second, it, go, it just devolves so fast. Um, I think it's a script that we all kind of guessed so even six months ago or five months, whenever the, I guess it was July or whatever it was, mm -hmm. we were all guessing that uh, with the new crop of um, first term House Democrats that they'll, they would impeach and the Senate would embarrass themselves in some ridiculous situation yeah. that would not convict. So I think we're kind of, it's a weird situation. It's a super historic moment in American history that almost means nothing to all of us in terms of how it changes how we look at the world yeah. right now. Um, it's so predictable from uh, if they do anything interesting in the Senate, I will be surprised. So we'll put it that way. Uh, I mean, and I think you, you tapped on like a couple of the, the, the jokes that have been inundating social media over the last 24 hours, right? Um, so one of them was like, I said, they was like, now you see why everybody's civics and free enterprise teachers shouldn't have been coaches in high school yeah football coaches yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's it's definitely that i was i and i said it on the podcast um earlier or last week that i was at a basketball game a middle school basketball game and a lady was in the, in the stands and she said trump got impeached and she started dancing and she got up and then the people started cheering around her 
And then she was like, yeah, now that he's going to get out of there, I got to do X, Y, and Z. I'm like, he's not going anywhere. Like, I mean, I, I don't think you understand what that means. But I just, I was there for it. I thought it was kind of funny to watch, but I was like, he's he's not going anywhere. But to the, the best one that's been making his rounds is the guy who posted, he was like, in this instant, impeachment, like people was like, can you please explain impeachment? And the guy said, in this instance, impeachment is you and your homegirls having all the evidence that your man is cheating. But to break up with him, you got to convince the jury of all of his frat brothers who was there cheating with him that your man is a cheater. So, like, that's kind of the idea, right? Like, like they got all the evidence that he did what he did, and that's why the House was able to impeach him. But now you got to get his boys to say, yeah, he did it. And it's just, it's ridiculous. Like, if you watched it, it was so, and I hate the fact that it's like everything we say, oh, man, everything's so partisan, everything's so partisan. But it's like, from my opinion, right? And maybe you can do, maybe you'll agree, maybe you'll disagree. But from my opinion, it's, from my vantage point at least, it's, a lot of things that Donald Trump does are wrong and has just just wrong. It's just it's just like not right, no not good things, right? Yeah. The the fact that people can stand up there and and say, "Nah, this is a witch hunt," and he didn't do it means that you're just complicit in lies. Now, does that mean that everything wrong he does is a an, an action that's fireable for him not to be the president? I think it has to rise to some kind of a level of egregiousness like once we talk about like the only one who resigned would would be would have been um richard nixon and you know it was stealing documents from the the, you know from the the from the The democrats um at the white water hotel um watergate i'm sorry watergate hotel remember a world in which uh illegally stealing documents from the dnc was a (laughs) was a problem diplomatically exactly um but but you see like in in response it's like all of the things that Trump has done is kind of like, oh man, we should get him out of there for this or this or that. But then you really, you really listen to the Ukraine probe. It's like, oh wow, he was really tripping. Like you really like, look, okay, y'all want us to help y'all with this war and shit y'all got going on? No, you need to get some information on Joe Biden for me. Like that's crazy. Or even if you don't say it, if you imply it, and the implication is if you don't help us do this, that, whatever, and that's why they impeached him. It's so wild to say that. So. I would have preferred if the like the the House Republicans who were there like fussing yesterday would have been like, "Hey, I th- he did it, but I don't think it was as bad as y'all are saying." I would I would live with that argument, but the argument that this is a sham and it's a mockery and that y'all and he has never done anything that rises to the level of high crimes against the state is just utterly ridiculous. It it's gotten way past. You know, like you're a math guy, um, yeah. you know you have. Um, in statistics, you have um, these layers of, okay, like this is with a bell curve, right? So you have the middle chunk where almost everybody lives mm-hmm. is in this big fat part in the middle and mm-hmm. you get to these extremes mm-hmm. um, and you get these standard devi- deviations towards the edges and you're not going that far in terms of number of people, but you're making these huge jumps. He's so many standard deviations past mm-hmm. reasonable behavior. Um, any Any president, I believe, in the past... With the emoluments problems he's had, would have just been gone. Yeah. Um, anybody with even the Helsinki moment that was just so cringeworthy mm-hmm. uh, that that would have turned a lot of public opinion. We, um, you know, even forget. So the I think it's objectively true that the Ukraine stuff is problematic. And I think everybody agrees that even you know you do a Fox News poll of hard right Republicans and they'll be like, I don't know if this was exactly something that he should have done. Um, but let's just push that aside. 
the the house um, subpoenas a bunch of witnesses and he just obstructs completely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, at some level within democracy with checks and balances, it's the obstruction that is scarier, mm-hmm. right? Because that's where you can stalemate the process and really limp into tyranny in a way that that's the stuff that the founders were scared of. Um, this is literally, if you say, wave the flag, I'm an American, yeah. and you say the founders had the ideals, the founders weren't perfect, and we can yeah. talk about some obvious ways in which the founders weren't perfect, but th- I think they had a really good sense of, you know, people are tough, and you have to, like, no one person is going to be perfect, no group of people is going to be perfect, you have to have some checks and balances, it has to be a dirty mess in order for it to work, and just obstructing like that is is a real problem and that's something where we're talking about standard deviations off the edge of that bell curve no one should be in their right mind should be supporting him for the obstruction stuff he's been doing i mean it's, it's a threat to democracy and i mean yeah. it, it, it and it's not a left is. and right it's not a partisan yeah. thing. it's a my team your team it has nothing to do with actual policy ideology i just think one of the things that 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 sticks with me a lot is that you know people have like the ideals as far as what are the important things to them and like the important things to them, like the single part, the single issue voters type thing, right? And it's like my single issue is that I'm I'm Christian, so like abortion, whatever. And I'm like, you, so you think that because you love God that you should vote for Donald Trump? Anyway, so I'm not talking about. I guess I don't want to talk about Donald Trump in that way, um, in a way of like what he's doing. I think it's just interesting that the impeachment is happening um, is yeah, happening now, less than 24 hours. Yeah, ago. historic, right? But I guess my, more of my question is. How do you, as a white man in America, feel about Donald Trump as a hot button issue when it comes up in different circles that you're in? Do you feel like you have to have to say something? Do you have to speak out for? Do you have to speak out against? Do you have to remain? I mean, you know, we play ball with a guy named, you know, we're not going to say the guy's name, but we play ball with a guy <laughs> who's gonna who's here for this conversation. Anytime something comes up, he's like, you know what? Donald Trump's a racist. Y'all are racist. I'm a white man, but guess what? I hate my privilege. I hate my white skin. You know, he's yeah. he's he's next level with it. How do you yeah. feel like you have to behave in different circles? You've known me a while. I just don't have that level of energy. Um, I it's tough to to live. For, I think for anybody um, to live with that kind of responsibility mm-hmm. for people that you barely know, and um, I think that the key. Is, very, very specifically to be white in America, I think the key is to be really aware of the history. We go back to football coaches teaching government and history. Like just Sometimes you got to educate yourself. Um, so I think just really working hard to understand. It's not just a white-black thing. Um, I'm not a woman. It's hard for me to understand what gender equality would be. I got to work at that. You don't see gender. <laughs> no, yeah. We, <laughs> That's we, probably a problem. We, we have a, a mutual friend who would argue that too. Uh, <laughs> I don't see height. Um, no, no, no I, I'm, um, I have 2010 vision. I see all of it. But um, the, the main thing I think is to know what's really hard to understand if it's not something that you have firsthand um, experiences for and then, and then work hard at it. Um, and heaven forbid you listen to somebody once in a while. Um, and I think I, I try to go uh, to approach things in that way where um, if I've worked really, really hard to understand something, then, you know, it's well-intentioned and I present myself that way and, you know, go from there. I think that's that's a good way to do it. How does a Make America Great Again head make you feel? What what emotions does it elicit? 
Oh man. So I, I played catcher in high school. I, I don't like baseball hats in general. Mm-hmm. I always look really silly with one on. Um, it's, are, are you saying aesthetically? Cause it's not a good looking hat. No, I mean, I, I see, I, I feel you, you, like you guys can't see this in the, um, like, cause we're, this is audio, but he's fidgeting right now. So I don't know what the so, fidgeting means. So I'll I don't ex- know. I might have, I might have me one in here. I'll, ex- I'll, ex- <laughs> I'll explain it to you. So I'm a little triggered in here. Go ahead. Um, Go ahead. You got a bunch of Michael Jordan stuff up. Yeah. I, and I got Barack right behind you. You see him? I, <laughs> oh, Barack's fine. So I, I grew up in, in New York during the nineties and that those red, those red colors, man, Michael killed us way okay. too many times. You got a random red hat over there. Yeah, that does look very Make America Great Again. If I was illiterate, Can I, I, say I think this that another was a MAGA hat. I'll, I'll, help you, I'll help you out. I'll help you out. If I get on an elevator and someone else gets on an elevator with me and they've got a Make America Great Again hat on, I'm going to automatically make certain assumptions about them and I'm going to feel a certain type. I'm going to feel uncomfortable in their presence. Oh, I'm so asking you how well. you feel. I would feel extremely uncomfortable. Um, yeah, it, it's a it's a scary thing, especially as as far as we've gotten. Even when it started out, it was weird and scary. Um, but to still be on that team and rocking that hat right now, um, there are a lot of things. I that, think there was a place in time where it was okay. It was a campaign slogan. Yeah, in and it was okay it was, at a, at a like the beginning of Donald Trump's running for president. The first month. Maybe you could get away with it. I think it's, I think it's I synonymous with a Confederate flag now. That's what I think. Sure, sure. And I think that, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, there's a, there's a real fear of your common citizens. You're walking down the street and you don't feel like they respect the norms that make us safe. They mm-hmm. respect, you know, institutions. They respect it. it it's gotten to a very strange place. Um these are people that I'm almost afraid to start a conversation with because it'll get so contentious and so weird so fast. But then also I feel like you need to reach out yeah. to them because somebody needs to, right? It's like this guy needs a hug, but I don't want to be the one to give him a hug because I'm scared. Like that's that's a, a place that I think we all find ourselves in too often. And it's hard it's hard to know how to be the solution in that, in that situation. Do you not feel like you're often um, kind of – wrapped into certain like um what's the right word certain assumptions that people will be like hey this is a white guy and whatever he went to rice blah 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 you from new york whatever well maybe they think because you're new york and you're a liberal right but leading heart yeah yeah, but do you ever get caught in these circles where you're like hey whoa this is not okay what we're talking about over here with this conversation that i'm in the midst of oh sure all the time Uh, i think that as people we want to default to Oh, this guy's my friend. Yeah. This is, we're, we're, we're good. Yeah. You don't walk around. Or some people do. But I think the most of us that are functioning members of society walk around sort of assuming in a vaguely optimistic way that, hey, we're going to be cool. Like, yeah. 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 Um, and that's, I think, like when you when you just, you know, walk up and shake hands and introduce yourself and like that, there's this certain optimism. Yeah, this is going to go well. Um, and then uh, you get five seconds down that rabbit hole. Um, I think that for me, people get a little too far sometimes assuming that I am either right of center or, um, from a different background or whatever. And that I agree with some of the stuff that they're saying. And it gets into, you know, if, if, if someone I'm talking to, uh, who doesn't know me that well, is starting to speak like that, you never know exactly how quick and how hard to, to check them. It is an interesting dilemma not one that you probably have to worry about well yeah i mean i think i think that there are it's it's levels right so i'm I'm gonna bring it back to something else i let me say this first that we play ball with a whole bunch of guys who are varying age and we talk about this all the time right 
like guys who play basketball with us are anywhere from like 25 to 75 years old. It's like a <laughs> lot. Of, it's like it's that much of a variation. So certain people, like some of the old guys that, you know, respect, they're funny, they're cool. They'll say things like they'll bring up Jesse Smollett all the time. And I'm like, the fact that you're bringing up Jesse Smollett continuously months after that makes me believe that I think I know what you watch and what kind of things you consume and the things right. that you're ultimately believing. Like we can be cool as as hell and pass the ball to each other and give each other high fives when we play basketball. But you probably believe something different than me. And... I feel like that would more so that would probably come up when it's like a conversation with you and them when it wouldn't come up as a conversation exactly. with me and them. Exactly. Um, but we do a podcast every now and again, and it's uh, we, we overdo for one, and it's called Woke. And on the Woke <laughs> podcast, we have um, and I, we've got a couple of different installments of it. Um, and we came up on the first Woke podcast with a continuum of wokeness, which goes from zero to a hundred, and like at the fifty percent. You have to be over 50%. You got to be 51% or more to be considered woke, right? You can't be 50. That means you rattle, you straddle the fence. You have to be woke enough to understand the problems in America, right? But 51 to 85% is, is the golden, the Goldilocks zone. Once you're over 85%, we talk about the concept of a hotel, meaning that you are a, you know, a black Israelite, a black national that's just yeah. so far removed on that bell curve. So many standard deviations mm-hmm. outside of the, outside of the center that your opinion is kind of like, oof. but if you're below 50%, you're like, man, you're not woke at all. You're asleep. And that, that's the, the the concept of it. So I'm bringing that because the second woke podcast we did, um, we came up with a continuum of racism. And it was geared more for white people and racism. And where 50% meant where like 50, where what did 50% mean and what did 100% mean and what are all these things, right? 100% is like burning crosses and, and like hanging people in like yeah. Hitler, Germany, whatever, right? But Texas, we were like, what's 50% yeah. and what's everything else? And what we came up with was that on the continuum of, of, of racism, you have to be, if you're 50%, it means you're not saying anything about anything. And that's not good enough. Like to be act like that means you're fifty percent racist if you don't say anything about anything. We thought, and this is what we came up with, and you can you can disagree or you can tell me your thoughts on it. We think that to be less than fifty percent racist, to be saying like I'm ten percent or I'm fifty, you do have to have a little bit like a, like the guy I was talking about in the gym. You have to actively speak out against things that you know aren't right. Not that you have to make that your life's goal, but when the situations come out, I think you got to actively speak out, and I think that's the only thing. Not the only thing, but I think that's a major thing that a person in you, of uh, a person like you can do to combat racism is to speak out against it when you see it. Sure, sure. No, that's an interesting. Mm-hmm. You said a lot right there. I did. I know. I talked a lot, but I wanted to I'm explain to the backstory. Up. My apologies. No, that's good. I, that helped me. Um, I think the premise is correct. I think, and I, I, I've thought a lot about this that that you are your environment, right? So I think that the way I would edit that spectrum is to say that. would be you are your environment. So if your environment wasn't racist at all, then you wouldn't be racist at 50% because you'd just be your environment. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take a lot of Mm self-awareness to know that America is an interesting place. Um, So 50% is racist. I would agree with that. Um, (laughs) If you do nothing, then we imprison four times as many as any of our peer countries and it's disproportionately black and brown and Mm -hmm. that doesn't feel like it's not racist. Um, I think the... The word in, in general is uh, in, intentionally misunderstood. Mm-hmm. I, I'd even say that. So 
you can play the semantics game enough to say, I'm not actively mean to anybody because of this, therefore I'm not. And the word is, is both not as harsh and more broad than I think, you know, that, that interpretation would, would allow. So you, you end up with these places where people can um, pretend and, and argue and rationalize that they're not racist, but part of a system um, that is leading to those results and, and okay with being a part of that system. So, yeah, I think that the default to just letting things go the way they are makes you part of the problem, makes you mm-hmm. – um, now, that, that that's a, a really fun intellectual conversation. What do you actually do about it uh, is a really tricky thing, right? Um, step one, I guess, is to be just a citizen and you vote and, you know, those things matter. Um, and we've, we've already talked a little bit about that. Um, uh, step two would be just more of a, you know, local versus national. Like what do you do in your own personal life? Um, I think, I can't remember if I was talking to you about this or talking to somebody else, but, um, somebody said, uh, a couple of days ago that America is racist. And I, I don't know why I said that, said it this way, but I, I'm just playing devil's advocate, as you know, I like to do. Uh, so I don't know if we're racist, but we're just super segregated, mm-hmm. right? That there's there's some chicken in the egg there where you have some people that, uh, and this isn't just a white black thing, but if you are in one way of thinking about anything, you talked about how do you get your news, how do you get, you know, where do you live, what school did you go to, all those kind of things. If you're highly segregated in any one way, you're going to be a little bit in a in a silo, mm-hmm. a little mm-hmm. bit, in, and mm-hmm. you're not going to quite understand the world. Take it away from America, right? Because sometimes we can get our feelings hurt too easily just talking about America. You know, how many languages do most Americans know? Yeah. You go over to Europe and they all know three Stop or four. Stop talking Mexican. <laughs> right? Yeah. The, the, well, right. And the, the in Europe, you're uneducated if you don't know three languages. Here, you know, we don't want you because you're challenging us because you don't speak fluent English yeah. and you're not one of us and we can't tolerate, you know. It's, it's a very strange dichotomy. And these are white people in both places, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not a white... Uh, issue. It's a it's a cultural issue. What is American cultural white? Um, how do we view a lot of these things? Uh, and that's that's not a great history. Um, so yeah, I think how how you actually solve the problem intellectually, it's easy to make that rubric and say, okay, if you do nothing, you're um, you propping prop, right? <laughs> propping up propping up a system that mm-hmm. is systemically bad, and um, so you're not part of the solution. But then, um, how do you actually? decrease the level of segregation within your own life mm-hmm. okay. uh, and that's that's a hard thing to do because uh, you need other people's permission right you'd be like hey let's be friends yeah. like that's a <laughs> usually people say uh never mind so you you in your personal life i noticed that you do have um a lot of um, black friends that you play ball with and hang out with and um and even marry right so let's talk about that man um sure. you are the like oh not, the, you see the turn the, the that was the that was the turn in the podcast. Like I was, I was leading you into being this big racist, and now, <laughs> but you married one of our sisters, man. Talk about that, man. Um, just 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 kind of your thoughts on that, man. And being in an interracial relationship going into twenty twenty, um, did you? I don't know. Did you? Were you like I always wanted the sisters? Is this like <laughs> like were you always taking the sisters? No, I, I, uh, <laughs> I'm. I think like most guys where i'm into beautiful women that's Got that's you. my type absolutely um, and she is one and she's super smart we met at rice um she is any rubric you could pick um she's amazing mm-hmm. um so i'm a very lucky person um it does put us in an interesting situation um 
not with each other or not with our families or not with all sorts of other things that people usually ask about, but just a lot of weird walking down the street. We were uh, at a barbecue joint. This is 10 years ago, maybe. And uh, um, we were, you know, you go through the line, uh, right? So it's a cafeteria style or whatever, and then you go sit down. And the the couple that was right um, ahead of us in line were in their 80s, probably, and the um, the, the lady was very sickly and the guy was trying to help her out. But, um, so I jumped up and grabbed, you know, grabbed their tray and helped them get to their, their table. And they, you know, they were really sweet and they invited us to sit down. So we, we had dinner with them. It was great. People from Mississippi and, um, she was having some, uh, follow-ups to her cancer treatment, but she was on the way other side. Like things were, they were very optimistic. Things were great. Like they, it was a happy trip to MD Anderson if if such a thing exists, right? Um, and they were actually going to go to the rodeo later that night because they, they were like, we've been in Houston so many times and it's never good. We're never celebrating. We never have the energy. But now we're going to like go do something, yeah, yeah. you know, which was cool. Um, I forget who was, what artist was playing, but you could probably guess. Uh, <laughs> narrowed down. And we're, we probably had a 45 minute conversation and dinner with these people and um, had really pleasant conversation the whole time. And we get to the end and they're about to leave and... Um, they said something to the order of, man, you guys are such a beautiful couple. Like, uh, we love you guys. Like, but the world is so weird nowadays. Like, we wish you could have had the experience that we had, like, growing up in a small town in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And, like, you know, just really, you know, you know all your neighbors. And, you know, and they were totally tone deaf to what we were looking at each other. Like, yeah, I don't know if in, like, 1948 we would have really yeah. been, you know, um, having a very good time in small town Mississippi. But and and right and, and that's where you can you can laugh it off. But there's yeah. also a lot of truth to what they were yeah. saying of like small towns are cool. You know all your neighbors, yeah. you leave your front door unlocked. There's there's validity into what they're what they're saying. It goes back to the the MAGA hat point of you, you don't have to be all wrong to be wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Um you, you can be wrong to the point of, you know, Really, yeah, right really immoral, wrong. but yeah. like, yeah. um, there, there's a, there's a shred of truth in a lot of people that are wrong and it, it's, it's important to, on a human level, um, understand that we've had some much darker examples of, um, people being much more hateful towards us, but, um, it's little things like that. Um, being inside the loop in Houston, it's not nearly as bad as I would imagine it being a lot of other places. Um, but, uh, I mean, it, it, it does open, for example, for me. I never had a racially motivated side eye until, you know, we were dating, for example, because yeah. as just a six foot tall, normal looking white dude walking around, you just blank check, you just walk wherever you want. You yeah. know, even in third ward, you walk down the street and they go, well, I don't have to worry about him, yeah. like, whatever, like <laughs> they might not come talk to you, but they don't really, they're not like, you know, they're not worried about you. Um, so yeah, it is an interesting, um, eye-opening way of looking at the world i mean i guess that's 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 the 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 idea that i wanted to to ask about right do you feel like you have to currently or not have to but do you feel like it's made you more cognizant of the world i don't know what y'all plans are as far as having a family and things mm-hmm. of that nature but these are things that you have to think about that you may never have thought about i was talking to one of my cousins um like they have a child together and the, the young lady is is white and she was talking about how certain things about just kind of race and culture like that. She was like, I have to be cognizant of because my son is black. Yep. Like, um, I don't know. Have you even have you had those thoughts? Sure. Sure. I, I would I would start by saying I think everybody's horribly ill-equipped to be a parent going gotcha. into it. Right. Gotcha. So it's, this is not this is 
sort of a side conversation Fair to that. Enough. You know, um, the things I'm most worried about are, you know, the okay, not me, sleeping and whatever. So but yeah. Like, I, w- I would say it this different way, like, right? Like, there were conversations that, you know, and I know that it's cliche because we're in a place in society right now where people, like, the, the black experience is something that's that people know more about. Like, we know more about the Trayvon Martins and the different things like that, right? Mm-hmm. But sure. these are things that happened growing up in my household that my mother knew to have the conversation with me and my father knew to say, don't talk back to police. Like, don't just, just yes, sir, no, sir, and go home. Like, they knew, as a little black boy, don't run out of the store. Like, if you're in the store, walk to the car. Do not run from the store. For a whole bunch of different, like, things, little small things that were kind of impressed upon me that I feel like I, I would be, in, like, I think that these are things that you would need to kind of know or think about, right? Think about that you never had to think about before. Yeah, I think it's interesting. So, uh, there's a million of those little conversations mm-hmm. that I've definitely thought about. Um but there's, I think that that's true of everybody, right? Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. Uh, your parents didn't have to sit you down and have a conversation where, hey, sometimes you're going to be um, in a room where everybody's white and somebody says something that's just ignorant and you have to have the moral courage to think for yourself and, and critically think, you know, maybe it's an authority figure who uh-huh. just said something. You have to process, I'm 12, but yeah. I'm smart enough to two plus two is four and I'm, I'm going to, you know, whatever. Um, so I think we all have absolutely we all have you, different perspectives. Um, you had you had learned a different life experience. Sure, and, and it's not you know it's it's always dangerous in this kind of conversation where you equate two things that aren't Which the we, same. This is what you're doing, but go ahead. Exactly, exactly <laughs> on purpose. Man, Alan's triggered. Uh, now nah, he's squirming over here. Go no, ahead. But, that, but I think that's but that's the point, right? That like you know you all have everybody has different kind of um, experiences and. Uh, and different skills and, and, and things to bring to the table. And, um, you know, I've got, um, a full family of people on her side of the family who I can, and a lot of friends who I can just, um, you know, one friend in particular has two girls under the age of five and he's just one of the best dads in the world. Um, and he would be a guy I could reach out to and say, Hey, like, how do I do X, Y, and Z? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Michelle, uh, he left-handed shooter. He comes to some of those Wednesday games. Um, but he's, he's a guy that I've, Oh yeah, I do know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, But he is just like one of the best people I know. And I would lean on him if I, I mean, Hey, tell me what I don't yeah. know to ask you that I should ask you. You know, there's, gotcha. there's stuff like that. Right. Gotcha. I think that's true of anything, right? Like, you know, what, what play set should we get our kids? I don't know anything about the, you know, one year olds play, you know, we, I, we don't have kids yet for, for the record, but, but if, and when we do, um, you know, you, you should always be asking people questions, um, I was talking to one of our mutual friends the other day and we were talking about politics and very quickly it went, you know what? I don't, I don't want to change my mind about anything. You know, you're not going to change my mind. I don't even want to change my mind. And I think that's just a terrible way to go through life in general. I want, there's all sorts of stuff I need to learn tomorrow that I don't know yet. You know, I change my opinions on things like wildly because if once you get more information, it should change. I used to equate that to being a thinking person. (laughs) Now Uh, it's it's, flip flopping, right? Yeah, 2004 ruined it for everybody. (laughs) It's 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 confused by that. Yeah. Um, I got two other two other questions that I just think it's it's along this same line, and I mean I'm not going to press them too much because I think it's you know just a thing, right? Um, do you feel like the straight white American male is under attack. <laughs> I'm just serious about that. I, I, I mean, would, because that is what we, someone would say about you. You're a straight white American male. That's like, right. And I, I know I've heard the term before, but do you feel that way? No, I, 
I don't, I think that's comically ridiculous. I've never felt that way for a okay. second in my life. Um, the, uh, I, I have this funny story. That so like, if y'all Google, um, Charlottesburg and, um, if you look at the one guy in the back, that's actually Jordan. So if you look at <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah. No, yeah, Here yeah. I am correcting you, pretending I wasn't there. Uh, <laughs> tiki ahead, torches were tacky. Yeah. No, I, they were I, heavy. Is what yeah, yeah, I'm not in good shape. <laughs> um, no, so, um, yeah, I think that there's a certain, there's a certain element to if you're used to getting your way on everything yeah. and then one time something's fair that it feels like an attack. Um, uh, I haven't actually felt that way before, but I've I've heard people voice that to me, assuming that I would understand. I've been mm-hmm. a little confused. Um, similarly to the war on Christmas, that I don't. Uh, I'm oh, a yes, really I'm a Christian good. as well. And I don't. I haven't really noticed anybody picketing outside of our church or you know anything else like yeah. that. Like I, I'm, I feel very. I've never been told not to pray um, by myself. I've never you know. I'm not sure where the the foot soldiers are against Christmas. They they've been missing me. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of different, I think, elements of that basic conversation. I think, um, sadly, a lot of it comes back to if you're used to things being a certain way, change is scary, especially change that might imply that you're not going to get what you want anymore. Your privilege is not going to be. Yeah. And and I think it, it speaks to a, a bigger point, which is um, there's sort of two ways to view the world. Um, it's a zero sum game, and therefore we need to scrap. You got to lose for me to win, right? Exactly. And then there's, the, I think, the the correct way to view it that life is not a zero sum game. We didn't have the internet 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Yeah. Um. You know, you got homeless people. Uh. You know, asking you for change, and then like going back to check their smartphone where they've got like some cool. You know. Well, they they ask you to cash app it now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can, and, and you don't have any change? You can cash app. We're joking because we're terrible people, and that's yeah. not totally true. But but the, the the concept is is at least next to the truth. Um, where life is not it's a zero sum Right, exactly. Uh, life is not a zero sum game, and if we all you know just are not terrible people for five minutes, then the world's a better place. Um, I think that's where a lot of these conversations come back to. If if you're um, somebody who's used to a certain level of money and power and influence, and you start to lose some of that, it might feel like you know you're losing. But you know, take um, institution of marriage for example. Eighty years ago, the man told the wife what to do and didn't expect her to think or talk back or have an opinion or whatever. I think the relationships we get to have as men now are so much more enriching and fulfilling and and positive because the women get to work they get to think they get to from early age be empowered to play sports to, yeah. you know my wife played um she was all state in a couple of sports and in high school played club sports and in college and is a super just competitive person uh she's never as happy as she's playing volleyball and just spikes and you scream something across the the court and i mean like that's something that makes her feel like who she is and an empowered person and 80 years ago, she wouldn't be encouraged to play sports. She wouldn't yeah. be, you know, there's all sorts of different levels of, and that's just an easy example of where life is not a zero sum game. You lose a little power, you lose a little influence, you lose a little, I'm the king of the world right in this little um, area, but it's, it's a, it's a positive thing, you know? And I think that's where we are or where some people are with the whole attack on white straight Americans, like having Males. a gay friend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, having a gay friend doesn't mean that like I don't get to you know have a beautiful wife. Yeah. You know, like it, it's it's weird. It does. They don't. The the pieces don't even connect when you really dig. Right. Like they don't actually make any sense when you. Uh, well, I think I throw it in that sentence. Yeah, I think I throw it in the same the same boat as like when people talk about the terms like reverse racism and things of that nature. I think they all throw it in that same type of thing, and it's all that same idea that I'm not getting what I used to get, or I'm not. It's not just as easy for me to just have whatever I want. So someone, this other, this mm-hmm. this other bad entity that's and I mean, you know, as black people for the longest, it's always been black people in America, and it still is, but. Um, also like brown folks are, you know, with, with everything that's happening at the border, with everything that's happening at ice, with ice and build that yeah. wall and the way that, um, child separation. And right? I mean, it, it, yeah, if we think that's about 2001, happening. like with Muslim people and, um, and you know, everything since 9-11. 17 and Muslim people, right? Yeah. With right. But travel I'm, bands yeah. I'm saying, but starting in like 9-11, yeah, like that, it became like a, a institutional thing in America where there's these, all of these people are this other and, um, you know, and the, this is kind of that idea of the straight white man is under attack because these other is coming to do this, that and the third and whatever. So I think it's just interesting commentary. And I'm, I'm just I'm I'm interested in how you think about these things, because, you know, these aren't necessarily things that I think about all the time. But it's just interesting because I think that it's things that you live. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, to an extent. W- one of the things that's interesting is. You know, you look back in history, there are a lot of moments in time where, quote unquote, everybody agreed with, you know, a certain way of going about things. Um, you know, you could cherry pick some, you know, late 30s, early 40s, Nazi Germany. You can cherry pick, you know, Louisiana in 1855. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there are a lot of the different places we could, um, as a white person, probably a better example. Mm-hmm. Um, you can cherry, and that wasn't clear. Um, you can cherry pick some of these uh examples and you say like how could people all agree and and be that way um and i think if you're at all well balanced you probably just say first of all i don't know like that sounds sounds terrible but there's also a certain a level of which we all just kind of go along to get along Mm -hmm. um it's a very famous uh experiment that they did after the holocaust to where um we'll go through it quick because it's a little bit boring but the point is that they you had um the patients were, uh, or the subjects were the teacher, and they were trying to teach this. Um, so the person had to memorize certain materials, and they had to give them a shock, an electric shock, every time they got one wrong, and the shock would escalate as they went through the exercise. Um, and people would just keep going all the way to the the top level, just because an authority figure told them they, hey, this person's not learning correctly. This is mm-hmm. going to help them learn. We're yeah, studying yeah. this. This is important. Mm-hmm. Guy looked like a scientist. It was like a Yale or something. A guy had a lab coat on. There's a movie about this, and right. they were they were shocking them, and then the people got way more like animated. And they were like loving to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 you get some sort of a glimpse into this idea. It's so easy. Um, I think one of the mistakes we can make in this conversation is saying, "Oh, these are bad people, mm-hmm. right?" These these are, and, and it's not the bad that's the problem. It's not really understanding the people part of it. Like this is human nature where. We're all capable of some really wonky stuff if we just kind of get a little sideways on something, and and I think it's important to be aware of that. And I don't know where that is on your woke scale, but like everybody's got <laughs> people and examples. Woke is and, only black people. Stop <laughs> <it>. <laughs> uh, that's not a, that's not a woke opinion. That's a that's a tough word yeah. to deal with very long. And so that's the one. A that's bit. that's a bit of a um, that's a bit of a black privilege thing that I don't. I, I talk about this before, and like I never read Charlemagne's book called um, Black Privilege, but the thing that I think about when I think about the term black privilege is things like 
that I can walk into a certain, I can use my black privilege in certain ways. This is going to sound ridiculous, but <laughs> like I can walk, if, if I feel like I'm at a line at Rice and I'm and there's a line to get some food, I can walk in front of the line and no one's going to tell me anything. They might say something to one another, but in certain circles, I know I can look at this group of people and be like, not necessarily a bully, but like just that you're not going to tell me anything because you're scared that you that I'm something that I'm not. So I can just I can I can do this and I'll get away with it. And maybe not things like that. But one other big black privilege thing that I think we have is that we talk we can talk about other races all the time in any kind of way that we want. And it's never like no one ever shines the light of racism on us because you can't be a racist if you're part of the oppressed people. So we kind of go with that idea and we can be like, you know how white people be? White people be this. Like, it's funny because at family events now, if we have, like, you know, I said, like one of my cousins, um, like there, his baby mama will be there and or like somebody else's girlfriend will be there and, and like, we'll be like, white people this, white people that. We'll be like, hey, man, oh, that's, let me just be quiet. Like, that's not, <laughs> so the, like, think about black comedians. They'll, they'll say sure. jokes that are just like way more, like they would get canceled if it was the other way around. Like Kramer would get canceled for saying certain. Well, Kramer's a jerk. But, that was a little worse. Yeah. Than just, yeah, that was so, different than just being a racist. Yeah, it's different. Yeah. But look, the thing is, mind. no, I mean, and and <laughs> we, look, I think we can we can continue this conversation for a while, and maybe we'll have a part two of this because I'm I'm enjoying the convo. I have you on for the regular best friend weekend uh, weekly, but you know we hit we up against it with the time because I don't want to. I don't want to hold you too long. I know you got a gig tonight. You just said. I'm gonna ask you a couple of questions before we get out of here. Sure. Yeah, as much time as you want. Um, um, who's winning the NBA Finals this year? Oh gosh, if if I had to bet on, if you're making me go to Vegas and put money, I'd say the Bucks just because I think they get there the easiest, right? Like it's more likely than any of the West teams that they get to like the Finals. That. I don't like that answer. I. I like that answer so, as a mathematical answer that it, you're eighty percent sure they'll get there, so then that means yeah, that they have well, a higher percentage chance. You, you of, bring a you bring a math major on the podcast. What happens? <laughs> get somebody dumb on here, and they'll give you some hot take <laughs> BS. No, I, if I have to say who the best team was or will be, I think the Clippers make a trade with their first pick, get a better center, and they're the best team in June. Yeah. If you had to say who's the best team, I think they're going to be. Um, but if I don't think if they don't make that trade, I, I think the the Lakers get them. And then you don't think the Lakers... Well, we'll find out. We we actually recording it on Thursday night, so we're going to find out in a little while the Lakers play the uh, Bucks tonight, Bucks, so right. we'll be able to get a good, good look at that. All-important December game for right? those of you. Well, we'll get a good look at the matchups, right? How about the... um? Who's going to win the NFL? Who's going to win the Super Bowl? I don't watch football. You know that. Uh, I'll say the Saints because uh, I don't... Because everything don't think, in this room... I don't think I've seen Saints an NFL game this year. I mean, is that a thing? Like, really? Just the Dalton Patrol up here. Hot take. That poster's like... I saw... Uh, Worth my, everything. R.I.P. R.I.P. Vaughn <laughs> Johnson, man. One time for Vaughn Johnson. R.I.P. Sam Mills. <laughs> uh, yeah. I got a little alert on my phone the other day saying uh, Drew Brees uh, set the all-time record for touchdown passes. Yeah. So I wanted to congratulate you on that. I, I have no idea who's any good. I know the Giants uh, were eliminated two months ago. So... I do know that. So you're not as well versed in in your sports take. It's just a, um, we can talk NBA all day. I, NFL. I haven't seen a game all year. Okay. So when y'all say stuff about the NFL, you're mostly just trolling then. Okay. Didn't know that. Thought yeah. You that's knew why something. everything I talk about is Saints. Oh, and it this makes, makes sense. sense now. This is why you always talk about like we play ball on um, Sunday. Y'all play ball on Sunday afternoons. Like yeah. that's a thing that I wouldn't do because I'm watching football. It's not it's, a thing. It's hilarious. I I put 
I put that pick up to get uh, pickup game together on Wednesdays and Sundays, and you I'll said text, only the professional athletes. I'll text it, yeah, only the ex NFL players want to play on one o'clock on Sunday. <laughs> we get a good run. It's like eight or nine of them and a couple of college students, and all of the uh, all the people who didn't play in the NFL are sitting there glued to the Texans or the Saints or the Cowboys or whatever, like fanboys. Well, maybe that's the oh whoa whoa. How does that make you whoa, feel? Using the term fanboys, it was a little that was a little much. It was a trigger, who's right? Your, who's your favorite Saints player right now? Right now, don't don't taste some here. There you go. Yeah, it's a white boy. Kind of looks like you. Five inches taller, yeah, and fifty pounds and runs, of muscle, and runs a four two forty. Four four four. Five flat. He probably runs a four four. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a little different. So yeah, that yeah. that that's a thing, man. We can both throw. <laughs> hey, man! Before we get out of here, one more time, man. Um, tell people where they can find you and find your work and everything else like that. Give them a follow. Yeah, JTA Drums on Instagram is the best spot. JordanAlms.com. Uh, I keep that pretty well up to date so you can see all the, the schedule info. Um, feel free to reach out. Uh, one of the things that bugs me a little bit about Houston is we've got the best music, musicians in the world. Man, We have world-class music city on par with New York, on par with LA, on par with New Orleans. And people in Houston, I don't think, are aware of that. So mm-hmm. not just check out the stuff I'm doing, but... Hit me up. I can point you in the direction of some other people to check out too. We just need to get more of a scene of people appreciating the musical talent that we have here. Um, so that's a soapbox I get on. So <laughs> yeah, not not just to check my stuff out, but Absolutely. there's all sorts of great people in town. That uh, you you know uh, one of our mutual friends, Ken Monshine. Uh, he's a great sax player. You, okay. you heard him play? No, I've never he's heard Ken. Can he play he's anything? Killer. But go go bug him. I don't think he's got websites and Instagrams and Twitter and stuff. And... But <laughs> yeah, reach out to Alan. He can hook you up with all the details on that. Well, yeah, man. Like um, like I said, th- those some of those venues. If you come out and be able to check out um, check out Jordan at some of those venues with some of the the groups that he's with. You'll, they'll probably have an events uh, of like different things that different groups are going to be there at different exactly times. Right. You might find something that you really like. And um, he just mentioned that. He put a pickup game together on Wednesdays and Saturdays. There's also a Tuesday, Thursday. So if you're in the Houston area, inbox me, man. If you can hoop a little bit, you come up to Rice maybe. Maybe get a game in. I'm not saying everybody. I said <laughs> inbox me. We done telling you what time. or what We already did tell them what time. I might have to buzz that out. Well, they don't know where at Rice. Oh, God. Yeah. We can't just have everybody. <laughs> Here's a challenge. If you show up to Rice, good luck even finding it. Good, good luck finding a place to park for first and foremost, right? But, yeah. yeah, inbox me if you know me, and then, look, we'll get you in the game or something, man. But, Jordan, it's been great having you, man. Yeah, Until exactly. the next time. You know, we out. You know, they say if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. If you can't say something nice. So I won't say nothing at all. I ain't nothing nice. You hear me? <laughs>